Hey guys, my name is Ben Berman and welcome to the Starting It Up podcast where I interview all types of entrepreneurs uncovering actionable steps and inspiration that you can use to build your business, your side hustle, whatever it is that you're trying to create and live the life you've always wanted. Hey everyone. So as many of you likely know and and can tell, uh, I haven't put out an episode, a new episode in quite some time uh, until today. And just wanted to preface this episode by saying that there are already uh, many episodes that have been recorded and will all be coming out uh, over the next few weeks. So the cadence of episodes lately this year has been kind of sporadic, but we'll be going back to uh, either weekly or bi-weekly, kind of starting from this point on. So definitely stay tuned for those. Uh, there's some really great ones there that I think uh, you all will enjoy. And yeah, I'm really excited for for this episode in particular with uh, the founder of Bomani Cold Bus, Sam Madani. You know, there's there's a lot of really interesting information in this episode. And you know, Sam is, is one of those founders that is humble and really cares about the product and, you know, the, the experience that his customers are getting and just, you know, his co-founders, his entire team. So I think it's a, it's a great episode to kind of come back into the game with after quite some time. And I hope you all enjoyed. So here it goes. Hey guys, how's it going? Welcome to the podcast. It has been a, a minute since we've recorded one of these. Uh, so I might be a little bit rusty, but I have uh, a good friend of mine, Sam uh, Madani here. Uh, he's the he's the co-founder and CEO of Bomani Cold Buzz, really cool company. Sam, I actually got the chance to to try this at your uh, your launch party at in New York. I think uh, definitely a few months ago. Um, <laughs> so I can say firsthand that that this is a uh, a really good product. I kind of right off the bat, like I, I don't drink coffee, I don't drink cold brew at all, but um. I think I had like three of these <laughs> that night um, just because it was really good. And and uh, as we'll get into, you know, it's a really unique drink just because of kind of the components that make this up. So I guess I'll Thank you. You know, maybe just I'll, I'll just hand it off uh, to you right now. Tell us a little bit about, you know, how we got to this point, like how did this all start and when? Yeah, Ben, thanks so much for having me. So, yeah, the Beaumont Cold Buzz story starts with three guys who are originally from California Actually, we actually met through one of my friends from high school who is obviously from California as well, right? It was, it was Michaela, yeah. So, oh, oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we were all living in New York. I was doing the whole investment banking thing. Kai and Amin, my co-founders, were also working in finance. Kai was doing investment banking as well. And then uh, Amin was working at BlackRock. And it was during one of those like ends of the week, coming home, you work 60, 70, 80 hours. We would come home and we'd make like a coffee, make an espresso, and then we'd make a drink out of it. You know, we wanted to not be exhausted and we were going to enjoy our Friday night on the city. But at the same time, um, we wanted to, you know, get a buzz going. So we kind of realized, why is there no better option for what we were doing in that moment? The existing options at the time were to go get a, a, like an energy drink and mix that with vodka or something. And then fill your body with sugar and carbs and synthetic yeah. caffeine. Next thing you know, you're hungover for two days. Let's just call it <laughs> what it is. Um, and the other option was to go get like an espresso martini or another professionally made cocktail. But, you know, a lot of the time bartenders don't even like making those drinks, not to mention it adds a huge inconvenience to me as the consumer wanting it to have to go get it from a bar and having no other option. And at the same time, you still haven't really solved the problem using with, with like the sugar and the dairy and carbs and everything. So our goal was pretty simple. It was like, okay, look, let's create alcohol infused cold brew coffee a healthier, tastier, more convenient alternative to anything else that has alcohol and caffeine in it. 
And when we had that vision, those goals, you know, it was, it was healthier, tastier, more convenient. We decided, and this is summer of 2018, we decided let's do two hours every night after we get home from work, which as you know, in, in finance is like midnight <laughs> when you start the timer. Um, but we would start the work then and figure out if we could make what was an idea into an actual company. And then during one of those late nights, it had to be, you know, 2 a.m., we looked at each other and we were also engaged and passionate and hardworking and happy. And uh, we were confused, you know, how are we more awake now than we were all day at our corporate jobs? Yeah, and we exactly. defined that feeling. Yeah, right. Yeah, we, we uh, define that feeling as discovering a sense of purpose. So we actually named the product Bomani, which translates to to have purpose. And that was really well received by consumers from the beginning, by everybody from the beginning. I think it was refreshing for people to see in the alcohol space, a genuine, authentic new company rather than just the newest product from the biggest, most faceless corporation, you know? Yeah. So the, the meaning resonated really strongly with people. Uh, I think alcohol, alcohol infused cold brew coffee is kind of a no brainer for a lot of people. So <laughs> that was, that was a good, um, you know, very welcoming introduction to the market. As you know, we first offered product to market in February of this year, which was you know a month, two months ahead, ahead of all the all the craziness that, that's going on. And I'm extremely thankful and proud of our team for how well um, we've been able to pivot and navigate these uncharted waters. Yeah, that's awesome. So, so there's definitely a few things there that I want to maybe dive into. So, the first one yeah. being. I think now like everyone and and their friend, not everyone, but a lot of people and their friends all kind of like meet up and they have ideas for, you know, a cool company. I've had it with a bunch of different friends of mine and like, you know, most of those things don't go anywhere. So I guess maybe what was your, what was different about your situation uh, in particular, maybe like the, the group of friends or the idea or just like the timing that, that caused you to actually go and start acting. You know, you say we're going to spend two hours every day doing this. Um, it's easy after work, you know, you put in 10, 12 hours in the office to come home and be like, I, I really don't want to do anything. Um, yeah. so like how, how did, like, what do you, what do you think was it about, you know, the company or, or just you guys that, that allowed that to actually, you know, move forward. And then when you took that leap, uh, from doing this part-time to doing this, you know, to quitting your job and, and going all in, um, <laughs> what did that look like? Like how, how'd you make that kind of decision? Yeah, great question. So I definitely think everything comes back to people, comes back to the team. But with that said, of course, 100%, you need to have the right product. You need to be introducing it at the right time. So I've probably pitched a thousand business ideas to my mom in my life, and, and starting with my ringtone business in seventh grade in middle school. And <laughs> I remember the first time I talked to her about Bomani, I was just like, hey, look, alcohol-infused cold brew coffee. And it was incredible because it wasn't just like oh yeah that's cool she was like oh hold on what did you say and then i told her i'll call infused cold brew coffee she's like okay dig into this one like, this is this is the real deal and you know i'm very we're all very fortunate that my mom has had a very successful career where she was in a position to invest and uh, kind of serve as that experienced entrepreneur to say hey here are a couple potential pitfalls and it really provided like a springboard for us so that was one major stepping stone in the right direction. Then I was in a, we were in the backseat of, uh, I think it was an Uber XL coming back from the Belmont Stakes. And Kai, who's, who's my, yeah, right. Kai, who's my co-founder and our, our chief, op, chief operating officer, turned to me and was like, so what, like, what's going on with this whole thing? Like, and I told him I was, you know, very seriously considering the alcohol infused cold brew coffee business. And he looked me in the eyes and he's like, if you're going to do this, let's talk about it. Let's do it. 
And then that was kind of like an, oh my God, you know, this is serious, this is real. So put together a presentation for Kai and Amin. And by the way, it was an absolute no brainer at all that this was the right team. Mm. Amin grew up in coffee shops as our chief of product and design. So he had the product, the product knowledge is also an incredibly creative person. So he was absolutely right for that role. And then Kai, just a super high IQ guy with a work ethic, like nobody I've ever met in my life, uh, which served perfect for like the COO role. And on presentation day, we went through and kind of created the very first skeleton of what now is Bomani, took that to my mom and presented that and pitched that and successfully got the investment. Uh, Then it was like, okay, before we quit our jobs, before we spend the dollars that we have from this, you know, agreed upon investment, how do we know this is going to work? Yeah. And that's when we started asking friends and family. We're just like, hey, alcohol infused, would you drink alcohol infused cold brew coffee? Not saying, hey, I'm thinking of quitting my job and doing this. It was just like, hey, would you like this product? And that's where it was like, people weren't just interested. They were like, uh, absolutely, I would drink alcohol infused yeah. cold brew coffee. And that was a huge vote of confidence from, from friends as well. Got it. Got it. And I feel like, um, so, so here's where it gets interesting, I think. So I feel like when you pitch ideas to people, they're kind of likely just to say yes. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, totally. But then when it comes to actually buying the product and, you know, yeah. really kind of putting their money where, where their mouth was uh, maybe a few months ago or even a year ago, that's where you kind of figure out, like, is the product market fit really here? Like, did all these people, you know, my friends, were they just being nice or were they act- are they actually like going to, uh, you know, buy this thing? Um and you, you know, recently, you know, I'll, I'll let you talk about the, the, the major launches that you had recently um, okay. while COVID has, has been going on. And yeah, I just, I'll, I'll turn it over to you. Like, like, how did that play out? I, I know, you know, for, because I have a spoiler, it worked out pretty well. Um, <laughs> but, you know, what was the reaction there? And, and how did you maybe just set that up so that, you know, while this pandemic is going on, you know, people are still buying this and, and this product that's brand new and, and hasn't really been uh, in the market much. Yeah, absolutely. So I think one big advantage we have for people actually picking up Bomani is that it's not replacing any other alcohol you're buying. Like whether or not you're going to go enjoy some Casamigos or some White Claw, maybe grab some beers or some wine. Bomani is that different category, but not different and competitive. It's different and complementary. So people were like, you know, when they were drinking it, they're like, oh, am I going to replace it with the vodka soda I get at the bar? No, but am I going to enjoy it? In addition to the vodka soda, absolutely. So it was knowing our market positioning that I think really put us in an advantage when we when we started introducing Bomani. And yeah, I mean, you're right. Very, very thankful to say that uh, on the day we launched, for example, our home state of California on May 1st, we sold out of every store in 12 hours. And then we restocked last week, which is the second week yeah. of May, obviously, to those same stores and a couple new ones. And then we sold out again in 12 hours. So knowing that demand wow. is palpable, thank you. Yeah, no, it was yeah. it was very humbling. I owe it all to all to our team. Our field sales manager in Southern California, Jack, just did a stellar job of getting it in front of the right uh, retailers. Retailers also love Bomani because, like I said, being being that it's complimentary, putting it near those hard seltzers where it's like, oh, you know what? I'm gonna go grab a White Claw. Or Truly, what is this product? It looks very different. Oh, alcohol infused cold brew coffee. It uses the same type of alcohol that goes in those products which is why Bomani is obviously, you know, at 5.7% ABV. It's only 110 calories, zero sugars, zero carbs, gluten-free, dairy-free, non-GMO, vegan, and kosher. Yeah. And yeah, getting, getting that right. Yeah, right. 
And and getting to that right demographic, I think was a was a really big win for us. And in the face of all things COVID, obviously you got a chance to taste Bomani. We have a huge advantage when we get to actually sample the product. So pre-COVID, a lot of our early stage success was like, okay, you can go send a sampling person to you know a retailer and sell out of that retailer's inventory in an hour. You know, because the product, frankly, as objective as as a co-founder can be, I yeah. want to objectively say that it tastes really good. Mm-hmm. And major, major, major credit to Amin for putting that together because that was not easy at all. And major credit to Kai for making sure that once the product was there, getting it to a place in a supply chain perspective that we could produce it a massive to satisfy that massive demand at that top-notch quality. And that was pulled out from under us. The, the sampling was pulled out from under us. So we said, okay, let's get creative, let's pivot. Invested heavier in digital, invested heavier in influencers. Uh, you know, started our email campaign, got more aggressive with online ads, got really, really sharp and targeted all of, all of our different messaging to wrap it up and say, okay, here's what we're doing. Um, speaking of, to everyone listening, follow the Instagram because our <laughs> one of our announcements we're going to make the next uh, week or so here is probably one of the most excited I've been for anything in our business so far. Wow, that's that's pretty, that's pretty cool. So one one direct follow up that that I wanted to probably ask is so so I tasted this it does taste really good um there's no sugar in it though uh there are it's 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 free of a lot of things how i mean i, I don't know if you can maybe explain this but like how is that really possible you know is it is it the beans that, yeah. that the coffee's made with like like what makes this taste so good just because i've had um you know like the the hard ciders and and the ones that you know have a lot of sugar are pretty terrible for you just added sugar in general is 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 uh you know kind of like I don't want to say like poison, but it's it's not great for your body at all. And um, you know, the ones that don't have it to me just didn't really taste great. Uh, so so what what is it about like this product in particular that you know it's it's let's say healthy, but also uh, tastes good as well and and as alcohol. Yeah, absolutely. So the first thing we did, or I mean, obviously led this side of the business was say, okay, I mean, said it needs to be hundred percent arabica coffee. It needs to be ethically sourced and it needs to be from Southern Mexico, Peru, and Nicaragua. Those were his, that was his thing. Then once we got the cold brew made, once we settled on that type of cold brew, it tasted incredible. The cold brew itself is really, really good. Then the question was, what kind of alcohol can we put into this cold brew as to not destroy the integrity of, of the coffee flavor? And this is again, summer of 18. So this is before the whole White Claw wave hit. It was still very fringy then. And we were at Amin's cabin in Tahoe and he was, this is the, the height of him trying a bunch of different types of alcohols and saying, what, what is the least disruptive to the coffee? And he settled on, okay, whatever type of alcohol it is, it's going in these hard seltzers, the white claws, the Trulies. How do we use that type of alcohol to put in the cold brew coffee? And basically what it is, it's an alcohol from a sugar cane. So it's got that natural like hint of sweetness. You can tell it was like, it's a little bit sweet, but it's not, um, you know, sugary and it's naturally, you know, zero carb, lower calorie. Um, and when it comes to creating actual alcohol, something like a vodka is distilled and distilled alcohols have a bite to them. Our alcohol, the alcohol from sugar is actually fermented. So it's much smoother than any of the, yeah, than the bite of the distilled alcohols. That's, that's that's cool. I feel like that's yeah, that's something people don't really think about when when they drink. And and granted, I, I probably don't drink much anymore. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it's just like yeah, it's cool. It's cool how um, 
you know, there's there's a huge science behind all of this, and and it's uh, goes to the testament that you know when you when you started this, the three of you, you your your two co-founders all have like different skill sets, which uh, makes it so that you know creating something like this is possible. Just because uh, you know it, you need a lot of stuff together to 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 actually make a make a company work. Um, so so one thing that's you know pretty unique about the alcohol space in general, uh, you can really sell this online like a normal product. And another thing is that the industry is dominated by um, a few huge players. You know, everyone knows like Anheuser Busch, mm-hmm. um, uh, which I think owns like you know Corona and like all of these other um, you know so many different brands. And I'm just thinking Corona just because uh, I can't think of any of the other ones, but, but yeah. I, I know there's like a ton of like Bud Light and, and whatever. So and and I don't remember the statistic, but it seems like you know small. Um, like non kind of major players make up a very mm-hmm. small percentage of the entire marketplace. Um, so when it comes to one getting into retailers and kind of fighting them for distribution and also even just creating the product, how does that work? And then also um, how do you build like a, a following? Like if someone can go online and just order this, they have to go, go to a store, you know, they have to be of age, they have to go show an ID. It's, it's a bit of a, uh, it's a, it's more of a process than purchasing most other goods. So, so how mm-hmm. can, you know, you build that kind of um, reputation and, and desire in people to go out and actually do that? Yeah, you make a great point. A couple of great points. Just to address the online thing too, uh, I won't say anything yet, but I will hint that you should, you should definitely follow the Instagram next week. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, um, but in all reality, of course, retail, retail is, is king. Traditional retail is king. And it is an industry dominated by a couple of Goliaths, you know? So one thing that we did that I'm really thankful for is that we onboarded our uh, corporate strategy director, Nick Galliardi. Nick is, people always say like, oh, what's what's your relationship with Nick? What is the corporate strategy director's role? And we, the easiest way to describe it is like, okay, Nick is like Dr. Dre. And then we're like Eminem and 50 Cent and Kendrick Lamar, all, all of you he kind of brought on. Um, that, that's all to say that, you know, Nick ran the eighth largest distributor in the U.S. He was at one point the COO of Monster Energy. He was, you know, instrumental in launching mega brands like Stella Artois, Dos Equis, Tecate. And he kind of brings a lot of industry uh, knowledge and, and the relationships to get our foot in the door with some of these big distributors. It goes back also to what I said earlier about the product being complementary to their portfolio because a distributor can go and say, hey, you know, Mr. Retailer, here is Bomani Cold Buzz. It's alcohol-infused cold brew coffee, and it, it, it entertains and, and kind of appeals to the same demographic that's buying out your shelves, which is like that hard seltzer buyer, that Casamigos buyer that I used. Um, so that's been a big advantage. Definitely the product category is really hot. And by combining cold brew coffee with alcohol from sugar, we're actually combining the two fastest growing subcategories in the entire beverage industry. People love data. And I mean, yeah. when you get a bunch of ex-finance guys start a company, uh, you end up with a lot of data too. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. So yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I don't even know what's going on next week, but uh, I'm excited to find out. It's pretty cool. <laughs> So go, going back to the to the distribution portion, um, can you tell us a little bit about, you know, how many, h- how did the rollout look, right? So yeah. from my perspective, watching this, um, you know, I, I was seeing every every time a, a new state was launched, you guys were posting on Instagram, kind of, you know, you were all blasting it. And I was just sitting there like curious, like, how are you guys making these kinds of decisions? Like, when's yeah. California coming? When's like New York coming? You know, because um, I knew you're from California and I was like, oh, I haven't seen this yet. I, you know, obviously New York's a big market for you too. Um, oh, yeah. so you know a lot of people here and I haven't seen that yet. So it's like, 
how did that decision come to play? And when, you know, if, if someone out there is listening and they're thinking about starting a, a business in a similar space, like how do you think about rolling this kind of stuff out, um, you know, across the country? It's a great question. I would say a lot of it has to do with, think of it as a puzzle. There are consumers, there are retailers, there are distributors, and you're the supplier all the way on this side. So the, re- the supplier sells to the distributor, sells to the retailer, sells to the consumer. All the different pieces of the puzzle need to fit together in the right way to make sure that the go-to-market is successful. So we chose our initial markets based on, okay, which distributors will allow us to get into retail automatically? Think of a lot of the bigger states, or excuse me, a lot of the chain-driven states. Getting into a retail chain is a lot more time-consuming than getting into an independent liquor store. So it makes sense to start with a couple of those states where you have the opportunity to get to independent liquor stores before you try to bite off the, you know, that's a lot to chew on is getting into one of the major retail chains. Yeah. And at this point, you know, we are nationally authorized in the total wines, which got some, some authorizations for BevMo, as you know, in Maine, we're in that whole foods and, um, you know, getting into these different retailers is one thing, but I would say when you're entering the market, first thing to do is be consumer obsessed. Think about where your consumer will actually buy the product. The second thing to do is say, which retailers are we going to be able to get into? But at the same time, there's no point in saying you can get into any retailer without the distributor, which is a really key part of this industry. So work with distributors who genuinely want to launch your product, work with retailers who can move quickly enough to offer your product to consumers, and most importantly, go somewhere that consumers are going to appreciate the product. Got it. That, that's interesting. So when you work with, so it's, it's a funnel, right? And like, like you had said, so... Th- you know, thinking about this from the business perspective, um, you know, how, how, when, when this actually goes and, and is sold, right. For people buy it in a store. Um, mm-hmm. how does that work in terms of like margins? How do you kind of plan that kind of stuff out? Because, uh, you know, the store is going to take a cut, the distributor is going to take a cut, um, you know, and you know, obviously it costs money to market and uh, actually create everything. Um, so <laughs> when, when you, when you, uh, when you're like thinking about this, um, you know, what kind of margins are, are alcohol companies operating on and, and how are you, um, you know, working to navigate that to, to the point where you're not, uh, you know, maybe, maybe you're not spending money to, to actually get people or losing money every time someone buys something. Absolutely. Number one thing, have a good finance person or finance team. Our VP finance and operations, Dustin is incredibly talented. I mean, he was working at a hedge fund before we swooped him up into Bomani and he is such a stud. I think it also helps the fact that we had finance backgrounds. We could come say, okay, here's what we can offer the retailer. Obviously looking at market and making sure that, you're, that their margin is attractive. Same thing with distributors to say, how are you not only bringing value in terms of a new product, but how are you making it financially interesting for them? So answering those two questions, then going back to our books and saying, okay, based on those margins, what can we project out at what volumes can our dollars go where? Does that make sense? So kind yeah. of saying- you assign X percent of revenue will go towards marketing. X, y percent of revenue will go towards hiring people and whatever it may be. Yeah. And I'm assuming you need to create a certain volume of, of this, uh, of this product for the, you know, for you guys to actually go from, you know, maybe losing money per one to actually making money. Um, so, so before, like say, say you need a, so I'm just curious. I don't really know that much about retail distribution, but say, um, you know, you want to create maybe you know, 10,000 cans worth, right? Yeah, um, do you sure. make that decision after you've already essentially locked down the spots 
in those retailers that will then sell them? Or are you more taking like some kind of leap of faith, getting stuff produced because you need to lock that contract down sooner and then going all in and trying to, you know, get that shelf space so that the product can actually start moving? Of course. That's a good question. So I would say, obviously, in an ideal world, you want to get more and more accurate with your projections as you get more and more mature as a business. But at the beginning, you absolutely have to take that leap of faith. It's not a blind leap of faith. Yeah. It's the work of a lot of math. and best. It's a best guess. But at the end of the day, call it what it is, a leap of faith. Got it. All right. That's, that's super helpful. So, so anyone out there listening, it's like, you know, there, there's no way to, to guarantee this can work. It's like, you know, I mean, this could have obviously didn't flop, but, but if, you know, if it flopped, you would have been sitting there with uh, all of this, all of a sudden, granted you could probably drink it, but like, you know, it's, it's not a great situation to be in. Yeah, no, that is. Yeah, of course. Um, Cool. So, yeah. So, so again, like one, one part of this is super unique, I, I think. And, um, you know, I, I think this is pretty true to, to any new, like cool alcohol brand that's coming out is, you know, social media and the promotion that you guys are doing and activating influencers. I've seen you guys, or I've seen like some pretty big influencers, like post about Bomani and then you obviously, you know, share those on, on a story and things like that. How do you, um, you know, how do you kind of build those relationships or access those people? Uh, because I'm sure they're getting flooded with product. Uh, people are sending them all the time for them to actually, you know, go out there and promote you guys. Um, and, and just when you foster that kind of relationship or, or, and just how important have, have those kinds of, uh, channels, the influencer channels been for you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, first of all, we have a fantastic PR team and a fantastic social media team that helps us kind of navigate those waters. And you're so right that influencers get a million different products. That's definitely a luxury of ours that we have a genuinely different product. You know, alcohol infused cold brew coffee, again, when people see it, I mean, I like to think that the brand looks different. And then they look at it and they say, oh, wow, Bomani cold buzz, alcohol infused cold brew coffee. It does catch their eye. I think a lot of the trick of it is identifying the right people. So would we send Bomani to somebody who I'm just going to make somebody up here, somebody who typically advertises, I don't know, donuts and, and discount malt liquors. No, I mean like that's, that's just a different yeah, market. Like that, that exists. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I don't know if that's exactly your Instagram influencer vibe, but, or for example, if their entire brand is real, built around makeup and just makeup and fashion, they don't do anything else. So you don't go there for recommendations on food and beverage that person also wouldn't be a good fit. Yeah, makes sense. And uh, so one other thing that this, this is based off of what you mentioned earlier. So you've gotten like some really kind of superstar type people on the team. Um, obviously, some, some of them were in there from the beginning, but like, you know, as a new company, how do you attract talent? Like the the person, I, I forget their name, but the person who was like the COO um, and monster, I, I yeah. can't recall, but like, Nick. That, that, yeah, yeah, Nick. So like, you know, how, how does that kind of stuff happen? You know, when you're so early and essentially just three, like, you know, early guys in their early twenties. Um, and now you're making like pretty key hires. Like, how are you yeah. going out there and, and doing that and attracting those types of people? Yeah. I think at the end of the day, there has to be an alignment on vision. Like you have to have, you have to only believe in people who are going to believe in what you're trying to do long-term. If anyone is trying to come sell you something when you haven't even made a product yet, then it's not the right person. Or someone's trying to come like, you know what I mean? It's that, it's that feeling of, okay, we're in this together. We're all rowing in the same direction. You're not just trying to get something out of me. And it's, it's the same vice versa. Uh, this is also a, an area where I think we're all, gonna, we're all very thankful for my mom's involvement because she did successfully build the business. And, uh, you know, seeing her as part of the team, I think, makes it a, brings a lot of legitimacy to the table in terms of entrepreneurship. 
And Nick, I mean, Nick is literally, I consider him like my family at this point. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? We talk multiple times a day, all day. And um, he's, he's an incredible part of the team. We have Joe in New York as our, as our field sales manager over there. And you know how tough New York's been hit? Joe is, has the best attitude ever. Like he goes out, there's like, I'm like, Joe, hey, I know you're frustrated. I know like things are tough. How was, how was your day? How was your week? And I'll just be like, you know what? I woke up today, so it's a good day. And he's got that attitude where it's just like, this isn't something you yeah. can teach somebody. This is something they're bringing to the table. It's like this natural, like I said, alignment on vision. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that's pretty powerful stuff. I, I think, um, you know, just philosophically, like just, just staying positive and in, in times like these are, are is, is what can get you through. I think, yeah, especially in like sales, um, oh, you yeah. know, if you show up negative to, to any sales meeting, like I don't imagine you're going to, you're going to do well at all. Um, luckily <laughs> liquor stores have, have, and, and places selling alcohol have been deemed essential. Um, so that's kind Absolutely. of a uh, saving grace here for, for, for Bomani, at least in the short in, right now. Um, which is like, that's actually pretty interesting in and of itself. But, but, but I think when you kind of look at it, it was like a pretty good reason for that actually being the case. But yeah. So, so one question, you know, I, I don't typically kind of like ask this, but, but I feel like, you know, now just thinking about a lot of stuff, like this is, this is something that, you know, I think is totally relevant, but you're, you know, a new CEO, right? You've been doing this for about a year. Um, you know, you went from a job, uh, you know, right after you graduated college, worked there for a little bit. Um, and now you're, you're running your own company. Like how has your kind of mentality and, and just overall viewing of, of the world changed since then? And, and, and do you like think that you're getting, you've gotten the hang of it or, um, <laughs> are you still like kind of unsure about a lot of stuff? Like, like how is that, uh, internal conversation that you're having going? Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I hope I've gotten better at it. Uh, I, I think, I'm very thankful to have the team that I do that has allowed me to grow in my position the same way that they've all grown so incredibly well in their positions. I think uh, one thing that we all decided from the very beginning, including myself as a CEO, as a new CEO, is saying, look, at the end of the day, I'm not going to pretend I know everything. I think there is self-awareness is an incredibly important trait that I think is overlooked by a lot of people. So being able to humble myself and be having our team being able to humble ourselves and say, okay, Maybe in this facet of the business, this third party, we should heed their advice. Oh, you know, we have this great idea, but my mom or like one of our other advisors has done something like this before and they have X, Y, and Z comments on it. Being a learning machine, I think is critical to being a CEO. And then um, I hope that my team knows that at the end of the day, like the best thing I can do as a CEO is to empower them all to do their is to, is to fill their position to the best of their ability, which makes, I think, our whole company a lot stronger. Totally. And and what do you think has been the biggest learning that you've had or, or the biggest kind of growth milestone that you've had in this entire journey? And, and uh, a follow-up question is, you know, I, f- I feel like a lot of people might think they're not ready to go out and like start their own thing. Um, do you think you felt ready when you made that leap? Or do you think that, you know, you just had to do it and now that you're here, it's kind of like just worked out, you know, you didn't have to wait for that moment. You kind of just took the, and then you took the yeah. risk and then you figured it out. Which, which one do you think it is? That's a good question. Were we ready to take the leap? I'll say that by the time that we were leaving our jobs, I was itching to get to working on Bomani because I could, I could feel yeah. that the demand was there. Yeah. 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 With that said, I think if you're waiting for the perfect moment, it's never going to come. You, at some point you got to do it. Totally. Yeah. For anyone yeah. listening, like that's, that, that's what I've realized too. I think, uh, 
that's just a lot of people have kind of said that and 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 uh you know you're totally right like there's there's never going to be a perfect moment for i think almost anything um you just have to you know decide what you really want to do and i think what you had alluded to earlier you know that time where you're kind of more excited or more awake at like two in the morning working on this with your friends and you were spending 12 hours doing ib that's when you know like that's when you know you you got to do it because otherwise you're not going to be in a great state you're going to be kind of like resentful you're going to be not doing your best work at your job and then you're also like going to be knowing like oh i could be doing something else and and uh it's it's not a great thing to balance you know for a while a lot of people need to like kind of have a job some income coming in for you know most of their lives but you know build and this goes back to kind of like you know while you're working try to save as much as you can so that when something like this happens and it doesn't have to but if it does and, and that inspiration hits you and that idea and that like moment where the team is there and everything is lining up you can feel comfortable enough to like take that leap and, and just you know pursue that otherwise um you know there's no guarantee it'll work out uh i feel like you guys you guys have uh just grown super quickly you know that's that's pretty unusual but uh uh yeah i mean it's it's a uh, it's, it's interesting and like uh, it's just cool to see i remember we were talking about this like like right when this was first getting off the ground and then just seeing like the, the progression happening was, was, uh, from my perspective, I was like, damn, um, <laughs> like I know, you know, other people starting like companies and similar spaces and everyone, like everyone's kind of doing well to, at their own, at their own pace. But, but Bomani especially, was like taking off quicker than, um, than really, you know, m- most, most other companies I've, I've seen, uh, do, do similar types of things. So, so that's awesome. Thank you so much, man. And one note on on the IB job too, like when when I did investment banking after after college, I owe so much credit to to my team and, and my MD in that group, specifically Steve, who more than even taught me investment banking. I felt like in that like year and a half that I was in the trenches there, I really got to learn the nuts and bolts of business more so than I ever could have in a classroom. Awesome. So coming out of it, it was, yeah, thank you. I mean, like coming out of it was like, did I spend a lot of nights, you know, building pages, building one page yeah. <laughs> summaries for my bosses? Of course I did. But what did I learn from that experience was you can literally create and understand a business model, or create, understand the nuts and, and, and bolts of all these different um, facets of a business. If you just focus and look for the right things. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, there, there's, there's, positives to take away from any experience so what what i've realized with uh you know even something like like covid um obviously terrible uh terrible thing that's happened across the world but you know but like if you're you know lucky enough where you still have your job and and now you have some more free time potentially or maybe you're going back home and and now you can just work remote like you know obviously many people can but but you know always kind of looking on the bright side if, if you can and if you're listening to this it's like you know, always view something as positive, you know, now I, I can't do all of these things that I used to do, but now I can do something else. And yeah, it's, it's, uh, you know, I think, the, I think the mindset is really kind of what makes all of this possible. I feel like if you and, and, and your, uh, and your, and your team weren't, you know, all aligned and, um, kind of in this together and like one very synchronized, uh, uh, mission, like yeah. this, this is something that probably wouldn't, you know, work out. So, um, yeah. you know, that's just one of the things I, I think it's, it's super key. Um, when, when a business is so early, it, it's, that's gotta be like at the absolute forefront. hundred percent. Yeah. Team, the people that you're, that you surround yourself with, the people that you work with are the biggest, most important piece of a business in my opinion. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, awesome, man. Well, uh, I'll, I'll kind of hand it back over to you. Like, let, let me know, like if there's, or let anyone who's listening know, 
you know, some of the maybe biggest takeaways you've had or just any kind of message you want to share uh, about your journey, uh, where people can, well, you already mentioned the Instagram, but anywhere else they can go to learn more uh, or just any other type of like relevant information you, you'd love to share. Yeah. I mean, I would just say just to cert- like p- kind of package everything we talked about. Absolutely. People are the most important part of a business in, in my opinion. You know, we started, we, I started today off talking with our manufacturer. And it reminded me, Oh my God, I love these people. Like these are, these are people that it could be my friends. They just happen to be incredibly talented at making a really complex product. Then we got on the line with some of our distributors and it felt like, okay, these are partners to us and trying to make sure that we can get this product and offer it to, to all these different consumers. We talked with our PR team and social, and this is all just, you know, stuff that's coming to mind that we did today. And it all comes back to one thing. And it's like, these are the right people for these positions. These are the right people for the overall business. I think that's the biggest, the biggest takeaway from us, uh, from, from my side. And yeah, you can get Bomani. We're in eight States. Um, our, our website, Bomani That's B O M A N I coldbuzz.com has the store located. You can check it out near you. Yeah. Give us a follow on Instagram, just at bomani.cold.buzz. And we look forward to, to this journey, man. Very cool. All right, you guys heard it here. Uh, Sam, thank you again, man. Great to catch up. Uh, it's, it's been a it's been a while, and uh, yeah, awesome, awesome to finally hear your story, kind of like recorded and, and kind of from start to finish. And and everyone, you guys heard it. Um, we'll link uh, obviously what what Sam had mentioned uh, in the show notes. And uh, yeah, excited excited for this announcement as well. I've I've no idea what it is. So I'm not I'm not even gonna ask. I, I want to be like kind of finding out uh, as uh, as regular people. So um, yeah, Absolutely. pretty cool. Really appreciate it, Ben. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, for sure. Thank you. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. If you like what you heard, go rate and subscribe to the podcast. Leaving a rating on Apple Podcasts or iTunes goes such a long way. If you found something particularly valuable or interesting, definitely share it with your friends. We'd love to hear your feedback as well, so follow us and reach out on social media. We do the show every week, so stay tuned for more episodes. And until next time. 